Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 496, coming to you on Monday, August 16th. Uh, We're going to preview the USC defense as we go into the 2023 season. As always, it's going to be a jam-packed season, but more importantly, a big one for the defense, and so that means we have to break it all down for you here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansign.com, and our phone number is 213. No, it's not. That's the old number. <laughs> Ignore me. I was waiting for this. I, I'm surprised I haven't made this mistake in the in the past. Here it goes. The phone number, 818-643-7227. That's the number. Save that in your phone. Get ready for the season as we go with the rant line uh, and and call in. Um, We're all over the place today. I I know. Uh, I'm your host, Mario Garcia, turn along with my co-host in the Ranchery Studio on a Wednesday, not a Monday, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. We're going to be talking about the USC defense. It's all topsy-turvy. Suddenly, everything's off the rails, but here we are. It's it's episode 496. Uh, welcome to everybody in the chat. A bunch of people in the chat. Uh, shout out to Jimmy in the chat for the first time. We got Ram and Murdy. We got Ernesto. Ernesto was in here bright and early. Super pumped about that. Uh, Dave is here. Dan is here. Funny on MC is here. Touchdown USC is here. Cameron, Dan, a bunch of people, and uh, we, we'd love to see it. Um, we always... Love the supports here on YouTube. Uh, if you're new, be sure to subscribe. And as always, like the video. It helps grow the channel as well. Um, Alicia, we got a bunch of stuff coming up your way. Uh, we did the offensive preview on Monday. If you haven't watched that or listened to that, go do that as well. Uh, but this is all about the defense today. Tomorrow will be the first ever members-only Rot After Dark episode. Uh, at least on YouTube. We, we, we've done Round After Dark before on Patreon, but we're not on Patreon anymore. We're on YouTube. And if you become a member on YouTube, become a member of the Rot Squad for four ninety nine a month. You get all of our bonus content, but you also get to join the Discord uh, and chat chat with other Rotbots and other members of the Rot Squad about USC football or whatever else is on your mind. Uh, and you get access to the members-only content, which includes an episode tomorrow for the... First ever Rot After Dark. That's 9 p.m. on Thursdays. Uh, That'll be the plan for Rot After Dark. Uh, Monday, we'll be back with a season predictions episode, followed by next Wednesday, the very first season, uh, the very first game preview of the season against uh, USC and San Jose State. So looking forward to that as well. And last thing before I shut up with all these uh, announcements, the... First Rotbot meetup in a long time. The the first post-COVID meetup? Is that right? That might be. I think so. It might be. 
Yeah, I think the first meetup since the Holiday Bowl in 2019, which seems crazy. Um, next week, uh, next Friday, August 25th, 6 p.m., uh, we're going to be at the Shakey's, Shakey's Pizza in uh, Valley Village on Laurel Canyon. So come join us there. Uh, David in the chat says it's Rot Squad versus Rot Bots. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody's a Rot Bot, but not everybody's in the Rot Squad. You got to, the, the Rot Squad is a special defined few, and you can you can join them uh, by uh, by joining us on, on YouTube. Four ninety nine a month, help grow the show, uh, and all those things. Uh, Alicia, welcome, welcome to the show. I, I know I welcomed you earlier, but welcome back again. It's it's time. We're here. It's the USC defensive preview. As I wrote on Twitter, the entire offseason has been leading up to this discussion. So mm-hmm. it's the ultimate it's the ultimate question that USC needs to answer. We can wax poetic about how amazing the offense is going to be, like we did on on Monday. But uh, yeah, when it comes down to it, the aspirations of this team depend on what we're talking about today. This is this is going to be one of those episodes where I think my imposter syndrome really really holds firm because I'm like I don't know what to expect from the defense like even like like that is the thesis of everything I'm about to say in this episode is I don't know what the hell to expect no one does no one no one does no one can um if we were given complete full access to practice get to watch the entire practice which the media doesn't get to do right now but like if even if we had that access the way that we used to have that access mm-hmm. we still wouldn't be able to say what this defense is going to do or what they're gonna be yeah I, we will not know everything is guesswork until they put on the pads and they go out and play not even the first half of the season is going to tell us everything about whether or not this defense is something that USC can rely on. Like, I think that I think the first half of the season will tell us if USC can't rely on the defense. But even then, I don't I don't know that the the we will get answers about this defense until what is it week seven, week eight when 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 Utah comes to town. Yeah, I mean we, we've talked about the schedule before. It's it's sort of soft front loaded. Uh, it's it's very backloaded. Um, it's going to be difficult for SC the last six games. But the first six games, not many big tests, especially comparatively to the last six games. Obviously, SC got tested last year um, against Arizona. Um, they had a shaky first quarter against Colorado. Um, but this Colorado team, I expect to be real bad. Um ASU, I don't have a lot of confidence in them this year. Arizona lost all their best players. All their best players now wear Cardinal and gold, right? Like, um, just about all of them. Um, SC went out and got Dorian Singer. They got Keon Bars. They got Christian Roland Wallace. Like, those are big losses for U of A. So, and Dorian Singer was probably outside of Cam Rising, the best player SC's defense got torched by last year individual player and they don't have to face him this year and who knows about cam rising because of his injury stuff so it's going to be interesting it's going to take a while for sc to to really be able to validate the defense um dan says we won't know anything into the bowl game in a lot of ways it feels that way which is not going to be overly satisfying because it's it might be it might be exhausting to the the discourse around this defense for the first six games because SC beating up the teams with inferior offenses 
And if that means that they're holding teams to 12 points, I mean, 13 points, whatever, the inherent doubts over whether or not that matters is going to be exhausting because even if this defense does improve and is significantly better, you're not going to actually have the validation to believe that it is, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the I, I just went and did a quick skim of, of the SP Plus rankings projections for this year. The highest-ranked offense that USC is going to face in those first six weeks is Arizona, ranked 32 coming into this year. Right. And that's understanding that that is probably an inflated ranking given they lost who teams. they've lost. Yeah. yeah. So, like... Even Notre Dame is 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 twenty sixth, and they'll probably get better just because Sam Hartman's a better quarterback than they've had in the last few years. But the first time USC plays a defense that can really an offense that can really do damage, bad bad damage to their to their defense is Utah, and that's not even. I mean, Utah is not even in the frame. I think of what an Oregon or a Washington could do. Uh, in terms of what's... Uh, Alicia, this is... We are not in the position to sit here and doubt what Utah can do to SC. We've seen three straight times uh, what Utah can do to SC. 100%. 100%. Yes. (laughs) Trust me, I'm not in the business of doubting doubting Utah either. But uh, you just... In any case, if we're talking the first half of the season, until you get to Notre Dame, you're not facing an elite quarterback unless um, Shudder Sanders is is absolutely incredible, which who, again, speaking of like who the hell knows, I don't know. Uh, maybe, 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 but the, 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 the first, the first six games that USC plays, those are not offenses that will tell us whether or not this offense, whether, whether or not this defense is any good. They will be able to tell us if the defense is bad, but they won't tell us what the defense is going to be capable of in the, in the back half of the season. Yeah, 100%. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens for USC's defense this season, but especially uh, at the start of it. Um, before we get into um, talking to the actual preview of this defense, uh, we're going to make that awkward transition right now to mention one thing that we put in uh, our rundown, and it's in the description. You can check it out in the description here on YouTube. Or uh, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts there as well, Spotify should be there. Um, Want to give a special um, mention to a tweet uh, put out by Clay Matthews uh, earlier this week. It says, my good friend and former teammate Kaluka Mayava is a Maui resident. His family has been directed directly affected by the fire and asked if I share his sister-in-law's GoFundMe link to help assist with the recovery and rebuilding efforts uh, and shared the link. We've gone ahead and grabbed that link and put it in our show description. Please, if you can, help out. Um, Not only because it's Kaluka Mayava, uh, the great SC linebacker, but the people of Maui need uh, need help right now. It's, um, if you don't know, uh, there's been an absolute, you know, disaster and, Hell, Maui looks like a hellscape, which is not the Maui that anyone wants to ever think about, right? So um, if you can help, help. Uh, if you can't, share the link and find someone who does. So, Yeah, especially, you know, 
most USC fans, I would assume, are you know from the Southern California area. Yeah. If anyone understands the devastation of, of wildfires, uh, it's people from Southern California. Um, so it's the least that uh, I think all of us could do to do what we can to help Maui because it, yeah, it, it's these wildfires are devastating, and uh, they're going to need a lot of help to rebuild. Yeah, hundred percent. So. Uh, go do that, and our, our uh, heart is definitely with the uh, Mayavas and, and everyone else who's been affected. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's look at the defensive stats uh, for for USC last year. The S&P Plus numbers, not good. Uh, Literally none of these numbers on your screen right now, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, were good last year. Uh, The Trojans, 87th in S&P Plus defense, 93rd in scoring defense, allowing 29.2 points per game. And Alicia, I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to tell me that Oklahoma gave up more points per game than SC did. Which, which I was shocked to learn, to be quite honest. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. Nobody nobody <laughs> truly cares. Uh, because SC was 124th in yards per play, allowing 6.53 yards per play last year. Truly horrific numbers. I, I think the crazy thing for USC's defense last year was we talked about in 2021 how it was a historically bad defense for SC in the final year of the Clay Helton era slash the... Dante Williams era, I guess, um, because Clay Helton was fired so so early into the season that they couldn't possibly not get better last year. And for the first six games, I think SC did look to be better. I thought the defense was, you know, with the exception of some yards that they gave up against Stanford, I thought the defense looked pretty decent. I mean, you know, there was a lot of transfers, a lot of shakeup. Uh, in terms of the personnel, um, Eric Gentry was the guy who we, we looked at and said, like, this guy is like a unicorn out there and he's he's playing really well. And then he gets hurt. SC goes to, he gets hurt in the Utah game. In the Utah game, SC couldn't stop anything, especially in the second half. And the whole season defensively sort of went down the drain from then because they couldn't stop anything the final seven games of the year, eight games of the year. So here we are going into 2023 and like, I want to say that they can't possibly be worse than last year because they have to get better, right? Like it, they just seemingly have to get better, but it's one of those things. Like I'm, it feels like you're, you're baiting, you're, you're baiting the, the irony gods by, yeah. by saying that, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I think that, it's reasonable to expect this defense to get better uh, given uh, understanding that we might just be jinxing it. And that better is a relative term. It yes. doesn't necessarily like saying I'm, that SC's defense should get better. doesn't mean that you're going to 
expect well, a world-class defense. When you're starting from the point of being the 87th ranked defense in SP Plus last year, right? better could mean the 75th Eight, ranked defense right. in SP Plus. Or 86th. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. So I think the, the question for USC is, is the degree to which they get better. Because, quite frankly, an improvement up to 75th is not good enough. An improvement into the top 50, I think we're now we're talking about, okay, you can work with that. Um, but Alex Grinch has to be fighting for his job right now. And he needs to at least, for me, get USC up into, into that top 50. Yeah. Uh, at the, like, a bare, bare, bare minimum. Well, and he's got a bear that's going to help him try to do that and bear Alexander that I think the transfers that have come in are indicative of, of how seriously they've taken the defensive rebuild. Uh, they, they, they've gotten guys that we think can be day one impact guys like, like Mason Cobb and Christian Roland Wallace. Um, and then there's sort of an element of knock on all the wood, light all the candles, you know, do all the, the you know anti cursing uh, precautions that you can, and hope that your linebackers and and some of your key key players make it through healthy this time around. Yeah, um, that to me is probably you know you should never have to depend that much on health because health is never a thing that any college football team experiences for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but I I think in general you're looking at it and and you've added some strong players that, that can help you get to where you, you want to be going, especially because this is a year two in the system. Uh, guys aren't starting from scratch. And that's one thing I, I wanted to bring up when looking at some of these numbers. Connor Morse at, at uh, uscfootball.com wrote an article today that I was reading as, as we were preparing for this, and it just stuck out to me as like, well, this sort of is highlighting exactly where things went wrong last year and and where the impetus is to, to fix it all. Um, so it was uh, Max Williams talking to, to reporters, and this is what uh, Connor Morissette wrote. Uh, Three weeks before fall camp began, Grinch pulled aside a group of USC defensive leaders to watch film from week 10 of practice last season. Quote, we watched some scout periods, Max Williams said. There was a day one install call that we got wrong in week 10 of the season. That can't happen anymore. That was where the defense started, making sure the whole unit understands the install in camp, which in a Grinch coach, coach defense isn't always easy. Quote, we take the approach with our guys where we put in a lot early, Grinch said Monday. There are two theories to it. You go slow and steady as you get to the game week and spoon feed guys versus putting it all in. And we've always taken that approach, which I believe him to mean putting it all in from day one. Mm-hmm. So clearly that went wrong last year, though, because... If you threw everything in on day one and it was too much for dudes that in week 10 they were getting day one stuff wrong, then you need to fix that. You need to change something of your approach. You need to understand that that maybe you can't move on to the next thing until guys have the first thing. And one would hope that in year two, guys already have a bunch of the first things that go in into day one install. More guys have that day one install from last year and there will obviously be new guys who have to pick things up but you're not having an entire defense being thrown in with with everything and then finding out in week 10 that that maybe they didn't pick up the stuff that you that you handed them on on day one um philosophically as a 
process learner, as somebody who likes step-by-step instructions that I can refer back to at all times and sort of go A, then B, then C, then D to build up my knowledge of a thing. Um, I feel like I wouldn't do well with the Grinch approach of just like, here you go, all of it. Um, but also like you and I are video, you, you and I are board game players, right? And, and what is the thing that we always say when we're, when we're playing a board game, when you're explaining the rules of the board game, all of us are sitting there staring blankly going like, I do not know what this means. And always like when I'm explaining a board game to somebody else, always it's like this, 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 I see the glassy look in their eyes and go like, you know what? We should just start playing because you'll get it as we go. Um, and so like, maybe that's one of the hopes that you can have as a USC fan going in is that, um, last year, everybody was trying to learn how to play the board game from scratch. And it's just always easier when at least one or two people at the table have already played it and understood and can also help explain it to the people who are running behind. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the difference this season. It is year two. There is a difference between year one in a system and year two in a system. And um, clearly year one didn't go well on the teaching front. But you would hope that because they're looking at week 10 film in the preseason this year, that they understand where they went wrong and maybe can bridge some of those gaps to to pull guys up into the the knowledge that they need so that those that kind of thing isn't happening. Yeah, I, I, you'd you'd hope so. You you'd certainly hope so. And I think that, you know, one of the things where SC can get better is just by doing the little things. Uh, it also comes down to the roster construction. Um, you know, Walter in the in the chat says you did not have the depth last year, uh, and even even Lincoln Riley acknowledged that when the injuries popped up, and you saw that at the end of the year, that was certainly part of it. Absolutely. Um, but this is going to be another huge data point this season um, in sort of emphasizing, is it strictly coaching? Is it strictly uh, the lack of ability to install the defense? Is it the lack of uh, of talent on defense? I don't think it's the lack of talent anymore. SC's gone out and, you know, gotten so many transfers that we're going to talk about as we walk through each unit here on defense that as much as you can sit here and say that, you know, there's not many guys that SC has gone out and recruited from this from this staff in terms of freshman recruits. They've gone out and gotten so many transfers, they've basically handpicked the defense as is. Mind you, that's still limited as to who will be available uh, via the transfer portal and all that, but when you go out and get so many transfers like they have, this really is a roster put together by Grinch and by Lincoln Riley mm-hmm. that they're going to have to, you know, defend um, defend everything with the people that they pick. So it's 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 going to be on them, right? Um, we had a question from Kenny in the chat that said, what are Grinch's past SP Plus rankings? Uh, SC was 87th in year one at USC last year. Uh, so I did pull up the numbers. Um, I have the, the Oklahoma numbers. So 2021... Oklahoma was 58th on defense. 2021, 58th. Uh, In 2020, the COVID season, the Sooners were 15th. Pretty, pretty solid. If you take a 15th ranked defense and pair it with USC's offense this year, I'd bite your hand off for that. I, I'm, 
I'm not going to sound too crazy here, but like, I don't think. That's a national title. That's a national <laughs> title caliber team, I think. Yeah. Um, you look back at, uh, at 2019, Grinch's first season in Oklahoma, they were 48th. I would go as far to say that SC is a playoff team if they are top 50 on mm-hmm. defense. And that sounds crazy because, you know, defense wins championships and all those things. But look back at last season. Look how close SC was getting to the playoffs. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Yeah, SC was super close. They were a Caleb Williams injury away from the playoffs with this historically bad defense that they had last year. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I also looked at the numbers and um, the question of, of somebody, I think somebody asked the question that prompted me to go look for it. So, um Oh, Cameron in the chat said uh, USC will make the college football playoff if the if the defense is top what, and I think it's very firmly top fifty. I think that's a very strong starting space starting space specifically because it's a testament to how good the offense is. Twenty nineteen Oklahoma made the college football playoff and got the pants beat off beef, beat off of them by uh, Joe Burrow's mm-hmm. LSU, but they With, still made the playoff. Forty eight. They were 48th ranked forty eighth. Yeah. So. Like that's a starting point. Now, is it is it quite as you know one to one? Probably not. But I think that's a fair starting point. Yeah, I I think so too. I think if you go top fifty, I, I don't think and I don't think it's a crazy ask to go top fifty. Um, it might be a crazy ask when you're coming off of the eighty seventh ranked season or team on defense. But that that Oklahoma team, by the way, gave up twenty seven point three points per game last year. USC gave up twenty nine point nine. Yeah. If you can somehow hold teams to like twenty four, I know we've talked about this. If you get under twenty five, I I would take that right now. If you told me I could get twenty four points per game for USC, yeah, I would take that. Yeah, especially when you have an offense that is that is that is this crazy. Um, yeah, Francisco Francisco in the chat says top fifty playoffs, top twenty five natty contenders. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's fair. That's that's fair. Yeah, especially when you look at just you know how crazy good. Um, as he is on offense, that is going to make up so much, so much ground. And obviously, defense wins championships and all those things. But you look at LSU in 2019, the the team that I think of a lot, SC kind of hopes um, that they could be uh, an outrageously good offense and a what we consider to be a sort of a middling defense. But that LSU team, they were rank- still ranked 20th mm-hmm. in SP plus. Yeah. So, which is not elites, but still top 25 and i think that that validates exactly what francisco was saying so uh all right uh let's look at the other numbers uh for the trojans last year all the drive stats are all horrible everything well over the 100 rank uh points per drive sc was given up 2.8 points per drive 111th in the country on short fields sc gave up 4.38 points her drive 120th in the country uh the one that i think is the worst stat here 25 percent of opponents plays gain 10 plus yards that ranks 127th in the country what is it 132 133 at this point it's one 131 yeah. something like i don't know what it is the numbers constantly change and it's I can't not keep up much with it more anymore. than 130 to put that 127 into perspective yeah. Just these mm. these are truly horrendous numbers. All of them must improve significantly. Yes. Oh, no, bad USC. No. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, let's start with the defensive line. Uh, this is a position group uh, in which the Trojans are losing a lot. They lost a lot of dudes, including uh, Tuli Tuipolotu, who has gone to the NFL. Uh, he was one of the best sack guys in the country last year. He led sacks for a long time. Um, and he's gone. He he is he is gone to the NFL. Uh, Stanley Tafo'o is the only returning true starter. He started a few games, a uh, fair bit of games for the Trojans. This is a completely going to be a new uh, defensive line when you look at all the transfers that have come in. You've got Keon Barris from Arizona. You've got Jack Sullivan from Purdue. Anthony Lucas from Texas A&M. And, of course, Bear Alexander from Georgia, a guy who had a couple tackles for loss in the national championship game at SoFi back in January against TCU. This is going to be a whole new look. If you improve as a whole on defense, it absolutely starts up front. Yes, and I think that one of the big reasons why you can project an improved defense is who you're projecting as your starters. Uh, Jack Sullivan was very productive at Purdue. Worst case scenario, I think that Sullivan is a rotational starter. He's sort of the, if you think of like on the offensive line, when we talk about you have the five starters and then you have your six sort of utility swingman kind of guy. I see Jack Sullivan as that. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're, you're anchored by bars. You've got, you hope Bear Alexander coming through and, and providing that to, uh, that, that size and explosiveness. Um, and then you are looking at, at guys like uh, Stanley Taufu, um, Anthony Lucas. I've seen, I've seen on Twitter that Solomon Bird is sort of practicing. Anthony Lucas and Solomon Bird are both hybrid kind of rush ends, defensive ends. So it depends on, on what the front looks like. But those guys fitting into who your like starters will be on that front. And I, I just think across the board, you're seeing improvement. No, no offense to Stanley Taufu, but he always felt like a, a highlighted point of maybe not the caliber of player that uh, in just in terms of size and, and power and, and the like that you want anchoring your defense. That was always an issue mm-hmm. looking at going like that sh- he should not be your starting nose tackle, and he has been for the last couple of years. Um, well, that's been the critique for a long time on this defensive line when you look at, like, Brandon Peely, right? Brandon Peely, he had the body, the body type of what you wanted to be on at nose tackle to replace DV2 Kualavatu mm-hmm. from the Rose Bowl winning team back in 2016, right? But Brandon Peely really... was hurt so many times, like his development kind of got shuttered because of that, and he was never able to get to the consistency and the the level that that you really wanted out of him, where he could be that Stanley T, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I don't know. You 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 look at it now. Is is Keon Bars that guy? Is is it going to be Bear Alexander? Who's going to be the dude in the middle? Who's going to be the stalwart, um, SC's got to find him, but I think there's there's multiple options here, which is going to be a good thing for this defense. Absolutely, and and USC does need things to come together for yeah. for these players. Um, I I've seen a lot of talk about how the key for Keon Bars, the key for Solomon Bird, the key for uh, for 
Anthony Lucas, the key for Bear Alexander. It's all that everything I've heard is just consistency, consistency, consistency. Those guys need to be more consistent. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely going to be the, the tail uh, uh, for USC, the tail of the tape. But the fact that you have those guys, just their size. In Keon Bars, you have size and experience. He has been a starter for two years at a Pac-12 program. Um, Alexander, Bear Alexander, just pure size and power that USC yeah. did not have in the past. Um, they're going to just prop up this defense significantly uh, in, in more significant ways than last year where, I mean, and to be frank, USC's best la- best defensive lineman last year, uh, Tuli Tupelotu, was undersized. Yeah. So, you know, for, for what position that he was that he was playing. He was incredible. Did an incredible job was the was the, the, the main man there on the defensive line. But USC now has that spread out a little bit more across um they might not have a Tulu Tupelo to caliber of player on this line yet. You hope you see some guys develop into that, but not there yet. But man to man across that line, I think you've improved. Yeah, I want to talk about Corey Foreman for a minute. Um Obviously, the hero of the UCLA game wins the game with the, with an interception where he's dropped back in coverage. But he is now on the defensive line. He's someone who has bounced around from position to position. Part of that is the changes in nomenclature of what these positions are uh, from from the Clay Helton era um, to the Lincoln-Riley era under Alex Grinch. And he is now with the defensive line. He was with, with the rush ends last year. Um, Ryan Karchi t- tweeted out a link or a uh, a quote from Lincoln Riley about Foreman that says, quote, he's certainly come a long ways. He's right now practicing most consistently with the least amount of bust that he's ever has, uh, he's ever had. Uh, our continued optimism with Corey is that he can does continue to get better with no signs of stopping. There's no telling where that ceiling is, which is a lot of fun. Is he going, is this going to be the year that he has the big breakout, Right. Is this is this it? I I mean I feel like we've been asking that for each of the last three seasons, including his freshman year. But can can I give you my just my instinct? My instinct here? Okay. No. Um Mystic would, Alicia is out in full force. I would love to, I, as I always say, I would love I, I love it when a player proves me wrong. I really want to be proven wrong. But as I've said in the past, being in those scrums with coaches and other players for as long as I was, you learn a thing or two about how to try to at least properly read into what somebody, what what a coach or a player is saying. Mm -hmm. And that quote about Corey Foreman is not, that quote about Corey Foreman to me says, Maybe he might become a part of the rotation at some point, maybe if he continues to develop, maybe. That does not read, yeah, he's actually competing to be a member of the rotation. Yeah, we actually think he's going to be a key figure for us on that defensive line. Yeah, uh, this is somebody that you need to that you need to watch out. When you hear things about what who's going to be in U- USC's rotation, you hear about Tyrone Teleni. You hear about... Uh, you're hearing about like Dejon Benton coming through. You're hearing about Solomon Bird really setting setting the tone. Um, you're hearing those guys' names. You're I I at least am not seeing that being said about Corey Foreman. And until I see consistent observers begin to say that about Corey Foreman, I am not staking 
anything in Corey Foreman having a breakout season. Because they're not talking about Corey Foreman right now the way that they're talking about Damani Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, and when we get to talking about the corners, uh, you know, Damani is going to be one of the guys that I think we talk about as a featured product for the Trojans this year. And the the good thing about SC this year is, like, on defense, it's not a... Like, as Corey Foreman is a... I don't want to say a luxury... But because, you know, SC doesn't is not in the position where any player can be a luxury right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, SC at least has a bunch of options of guys who could blossom to be the the leading player on the, this defensive line. It, like if you took a poll about who's going to be the best player on the defensive line, I, like nobody would have an overwhelming uh, return of the votes, right? Like, and I think that that means that there's a balance of who could step through there uh and that even if it's not Corey Foreman there's there's Anthony Lucas and Barry Alexander and all those other guys who could pick up the slack um if if Foreman doesn't take that big step forward uh one of the guys that that we want to talk about here is Keon Bars the transfer from Arizona um comes over with 102 career tackles five career sacks all of those came Two years ago, didn't have a, a, a sack last year, but had had some tackles for loss for the Arizona Wildcats. He comes in. We talked about before. Uh, no nose tackle for for SC has been the one of the the key problems. Is is bars is bars that dude? It feels like he's that dude. I I feel like he is. He is the 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 closest thing that USC hopefully will have come to Stanley T. Not not the same player. I'm not I'm not making that comparison. He's 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 not. We, we keep saying Stanley T. Stevie T. Sorry, Stevie T. Yeah, because yeah. there is a Stanley T. Yes, Stevie right. T. Um, but I I I, th- I Keon Bars to me is the most important transfer that USC has brought in, short of Mason Cobb. Um, who I think is just far and away the most important transfer the USC's brought in on any, either side of the ball. Yeah, but Keon Bars is 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 a make or break kind of transfer. He is an experienced nose tackle in the Pac-12. Has received all Pac-12 um, all Pac-12 uh, honors in the past. Now his production dropped off last year for that Arizona defense, and that is something that you definitely need to look at and and point to and say that needs to be something that that USC makes sure doesn't happen here. Uh, But he has the size, he has the experience, he can get in there and occupy blockers Mm -hmm. and be that guy. If nothing else, if he is a a, a run defender who can occupy occupy, uh, blockers, then you're doing well. If he can get back to that form of the year before where he had sacks where he was getting five sacks like now you're in business now you're really really making it out to be but yeah um i will point out that sean nua has said that uh that uh, th- this quote from sean nua uh, via antonio morales of the athletic sort of says it all if we can get keon going at a high level consistency we've got something going on our defense that is the linchpin kind of player that is why i refer to him as this dbt yeah absolutely i think that he is going to be one of the guys that you can sort of use as uh, the litmus test for how good he can be on defense, especially up front. Uh, and then you pair him with the high-end talents like Alexander and Lucas, uh, another veteran guy like 
like Jack Sullivan, and suddenly you have a defensive line that's starting to take shape and can be an improvement from last year. Obviously, you need to see that on the field before we can sort of declare that, but I think the makings are there for SC to be better than, you know, a, a defensive line that was 100 and everything um, on so many different stats. So uh, we, we did get a question talking about who is going to lead USC in sacks that came from Dave in Orange County. And I think that's a way to segue into talking about the rush ends uh, because, you know, I would imagine the rush ends would have something to say about that. Uh, Six-man unit for the Trojans at rush end, Solomon Bird, Sam Green, Melo Height, Jamil Muhammad, DJ PV, uh, and Braylon Shelby. Shelby, the, the freshman that I think has turned heads a lot with in during the recruiting process of people who are looking forward to him. Sam Green, the, the freshman who turned heads uh, in the spring game, was one of the best players for USC on defense, I thought, in the spring game. Solomon Bird had starting experience last year uh, for part of the season and is a veteran. We know that he had a great season for Wyoming two years ago, but Jamil Muhammad transfers in from Georgia State. He could be the guy, the pick to click there for, for, for the sacks, especially if he ends up winning the job at, at rush end. Uh, and then there's Romello Heights, who is the, the transfer from Auburn, who missed most of the season last year. Yeah, uh, the, this the the sack question is going to be really interesting because, like you said, this feels wide open. We've gone with Muhammad just because he seems to be the name that pops up the most um, in that position because of his his past production, because of his past rushing ability. Uh, but you know, Romello Height was a incumbent and apparently intending to be an important starter for USC last year before he got injured at that position. Uh, as we mentioned, Solomon Bird is is shifting back and forth between rush and and defensive end, so he could certainly be in the mix for that the the sack leader situation. Um, there's a lot to like about this group. Yeah, and this group is going to be even more important than they were last year because USC's lost to Lutupolotu. Because in that in that one of the previous slides, the sack rate USC sack rate was actually quite good, and that was all Lutupolotu. So you need to make up for those uh, those those sacks. You need to make up for those havoc plays, and it's going to be a collective effort from all of these from all of these guys. Uh, there's some sort of talk in the chat about um, you know who has the most sacks and and whether it matters. And and I I tend to agree with the idea that you don't need one player to be out there getting you know, double digit sacks. You need a bunch of these guys to be out there whenever they're on the field being a threat to get a sack. So you could end up with, you know, a handful of dudes that have six sacks and you're feeling really, really good about about this uh about this group between the rush end specifically and the the more defensive end or defensive line kind of uh kind of players. Who who is the best defense in USC history? What what was the best defense? Two thousand eight. Who led that team in sacks? Clay Matthews? No. It was Kyle Moore. Was it Kyle Moore who Kyle led that Moore, team? The, the last guy you would guess, I yeah. think, would be Kyle Moore. Yeah, he had five. And there you go. I'm not going to equate this team to 2008. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing that. But like, I think that's the kind of thing that I think would be good for this team if you had a bunch of dudes who were in that in that realm. Like, um, SC had four guys who had four and a half or five sacks. 
And I think you want more than that, but to have that collection of dudes that are all right there, just about to share the leaderboard is a good thing. And we talk about that on offense with the, with the receivers. I think that's what you can expect for the, for who's going to lead SC in catches and yards and touchdowns on the receiving side of things. Who knows? It's a crapshoot. It could be like any one of four guys for sacks. It could be similar. I think the interesting thing with the rush end spot and one of the, the, the things where I, I, I still don't know how I feel about a rush end position is that as it is on the, on the depth chart, it's like one spot, but yet there are dudes here that you want to see. Like, I want to see what Solomon bird can do in his senior season. I want to see what Jamal Muhammad could do after all the success he had at George state, right? Like I want to see what Braylon Shelby can do. You would yeah. hope that having all these guys, if they, if they're able to really, you know, play at a, at a high level and create a rotation, that it might create more flexibility for Grinch to shake things up, give multiple fronts. So it's not always three with their hands in the dirt and one standing up on the outside and, and have a multiple look, especially against every different offensive opponent that you're going to face. But like, I almost wish you could have multiple of these dudes on the field at the same time, right? Like more consistently. This is going to be the conversation that we're also having um, in other parts of this defense further back. And that's a good thing. Um, One of the problems that USC had last year is that they had key injuries and key spots and then didn't have anybody who was of a caliber that could step in and, and replace and sort of got pigeonholed into, into, starting players that clearly weren't getting the job done, but there was no one to seemingly there was no one to replace them if they weren't getting the job done. And I think what I like about this group here is, uh, you know, um, Antonio Morales has a quote from Sean Nua about uh, Solomon bird from a veteran standpoint as a guy who's starting to separate himself, his mindset, he's hungry. He looks hungry. He comes out with the right mindset every day. And it shows Solomon bird is going to either be starting and and seeing t- playing time on the field, yeah, um, or he's going to fall back and Jamil Muhammad's going to take his place, or Jamil Muhammad's going to be out there on the field getting reps, and the moment he slips, Romello Heights going to be the one that 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 takes over that, or or mm-hmm. or Sam Green or Sh- Braylon Shelby as the freshman come through and, and gain more trust. That is uh, something that I think the depth that we're seeing in these positions feels just stronger. It, this year than last. It also helps that there's not one guy here who's clearly the starter going into it. Um, yeah, Solomon Bird had some starting experience last year, but like re- relatively minimal, right? Um, All of these guys think they should be the starter, right? Which I think, which I think bodes well for the for the competitiveness of camp, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 to make it a um, you know a, a true position battle. Um, that's got to bode well rather than, you know, knowing that you're competing for, you know, the second rung on the spot might be a little bit different. These guys might be competing for third string, but they think they have a chance at, at first string, which is, which is what you want. Absolutely what you want to have. Uh, let's move to linebackers. Uh, SC gets a uh, big transfer here. Uh, Mason Cobb from Oklahoma state. Um but there's also key returning players here. Shane Lee back for his redshirt senior season. Uh, Eric Gentry is back for his true junior year. Rajon Davis is a junior now, uh, but also SC gets in Tackett Curtis 
the true freshman from many Louisiana, and he's had comparisons to you know many a, a USC linebacker uh, as I've I've seen thrown out there a variety of different names. Is he someone that you expect to see early on, or is this for you about Mason Cobb, or is this mostly about what SC can get out of? Shane Lee and Eric Gentry as transfers to build off of their season last year. I think as we went through and sort of did a very conservative projected starter thing, uh, we went with Cobb and then Gentry or Lee, which is a little bit of a cop-out, but I would imagine there's going to be rotation here, right? Yes, it's a cop-out, except that it, it's it's not because there will be... We, we just expect there to be rotation, um, assu- assuming these guys are all available and healthy. And I think that's where, where, like, just to be straight up honest, at this point with Shane Lee, I'm, I'm not putting any eggs in my basket. His career before he got to USC was injury hit. Right. His first year at USC was injury hit. He's dealing with injuries now in fall camp. I am just... The inj- some guys are just injury prone and I have decided to just stop depending on them. So <laughs> to me, it's Mason Cobb and Eric Gentry and, uh, you know, God forbid Eric Gentry move into the Lee category of constantly injured because, um, yeah, the, the, there's a trend line there as well. Um, but on Tackett Curtis, Tackett Curtis is one of those rare freshmen that I look at and think a lot of the time, you might end up in a situation where you're starting the freshman because something's gone wrong with guys in front of him. And that can sometimes freshmen seeing playing time can sometimes be a bad sign in general for the, for the overall sort of health of your, of your defense. Tackett Curtis is one of those rare freshmen where the more playing time that he receives to me throughout the season, the better sign that is, because that means that he has progressed through to a level of trust to get in there and to start making plays and to start being, you know, the destroyer as Caleb William Williams called him or Captain America as, uh, as somebody else was calling him. Uh, I think it might've been Solomon Bird. So yeah, Tackett Curtis is a guy I want to see, Yeah, but also there's a reason we projected our starters the way that we did. Mason Cobb is a surefire starter. Eric Gentry and Shane Lee are surefire starters if they are healthy. Um, and Tackett Curtis is a guy that I think you can expect to see start to see some playing time, but have to earn it down the line. Um, I think Rajon Davis, I would want to be included in that category of these inside linebackers who, uh, for one reason or another, start to progress through. Because when you look at it, um, it's just more ex- like Tackett Curtis is way more exciting than any of the other guys on this on this list. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that, you know, I really like this roster, even if I think there's one player on defense who I am a thousand percent confident in, and that's Kalen Bullock, and we're going to get to the safeties at the end. And to the point where Kalen Bullock is the only person I think that could enter camp knowing that he has a starting job. Am I crazy about that? Is there anyone else that you think that, 100% in stone had a starting job going in this year. I think it's Kalen Bullock and that's it no, on yeah. defense, right? Yeah. Everybody else has a sort of fight for a starting job, but like, I like the, the, if you're not going to have a defense loaded with like 
returning starters who are obvious plug and play guys, then I want to, to see a, a roster that has intriguing options and especially multiple intriguing options. This is something I've talked about for years about if you have so many different options, somebody is bound to succeed. Right. And especially with, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be this, there's going to be that. Um, there's, there's going to be a, someone is going to have a targeting penalty and you're going to need to miss somebody for a half or something. You've got to have guys step up and Essie has so many dudes here that there's bound to be somebody who ends up playing better than you expect. Um, and that's a good thing. You just have to still get to that level. You can't just assume that there's going to be those things for sure. Um, you've got to develop that out of them. And that's something that SC has struggled to do because you could sit here a year ago and say the same thing uh, uh, about Raylan Goforth, right? And we, we wanted to see that out of Julian Simon. Right, yeah. Yeah, there, there's, there's been a wealth of dudes that, that we could say this about. So uh, it's... Even if the roster, I think, sort of looks very intriguing and very interesting, you still got to get more out of there uh, for sure. Let's talk about Cobb. Uh, comes over from Oklahoma State. 106 career tackles. Just about all of these stats come from last season in which he had 13 tackles for loss uh, for the Cowboys. 16 in his career, one interception. Uh, you talked about how he's as close to a surefire starter as you could get on at linebacker, even if not a thousand percent. And there's a reason why he was one of the best players in one of the best linebackers uh, in the big 12 last year. We know that he had a bunch of missed tackles, which SC had a million missed tackles. This is missed tackle you. SC's got to improve that side of it. But I think Cobb going to Pac-12 Media Day is a big sign that he he was sort of penciled in as probably one of the guys on defense. Yeah, uh, that, that decision to bring him to Pac-12 Media Day spoke volumes yeah. to me in very positive ways about they Mason he, Cobb. They could have picked Shane Lee who did it last year, right? Easily could have picked Shane Lee, could have taken Kalen Bullock. Yeah. It would have been even easier to take someone like Keon Bars. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, or you could have taken um, Max Williams. You could have taken, there, there's a bunch of dudes you could have taken. The fact that they took Mason Cobb says a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot. And all good to me. That means they see him as a leader of the defense already. And boy, does USC's defense need him. Yeah. Um, Max Williams. This is from Ryan Young of uh, of um, rivals of rival rivals. Uh, if he sees the ball carrier, if he sees the quarterback looking somewhere, he's there zero to one hundred. That is what USC needs from their linebackers. That is what yeah. USC was not getting from their linebackers. And quite frankly. If he's out there making, you know, 96 tackles like he did last year for Oklahoma State and missing a few because he's going 0 to 100 and just is like almost over eager and over aggressive, I will live with that because USC was lacking aggression at linebacker last year uh, once the injuries happened to uh to Gentry and and we saw Shane Lee dealing with injury and and his limitations in his game as well. Like that is something that USC has been lacking they need desperately and Mason Cobb is going to bring it I believe yeah I, I I'm excited to see what he can do with the Trojans wearing the number 13 
And uh, the soon-to-be-retired number. number 13. Yeah, I need to get my hands on a on a 13 jersey because that was always the number that I picked when I was playing sports as a kid. N- new, new Wilds hope. Just for the just for the drama of this, what makes Mason Cobb to win the Heisman? <laughs> what do you do? Like, like obviously, what? a linebacker is never going to win the Heisman. But but hear me out. What would you do? Like, do you put up two thirteens? This is why you don't have names on the back of the jerseys. It fits. You only need to put up one jersey. (laughs) It's all Gucci, man. I mean, I guess, but you probably should put up two. Oh, that's my that's my new um. Just saying. Just saying. All right, let's get to the corners. Uh, The corners, of course, coached by uh, former USC interim head coach Dante Williams. Uh, the uh, the recruiting extraordinaire. Um, th- this is a interesting group. Uh, SC is is without Makai Blackman, who was a damn good cornerback last year. Uh, we got a comment earlier on today from uh, Rise of the Kumquats. Great name. Uh, it says it was a very slow day at work, so I was coming through the history of pass deflection stats at USC. Makai Blackman's twelve PBUs last season ranked sixth all time. No other other defender in in 2022 had more than five. Yeah, he was he was insanely good last year. He was very good. Um, I think that SC getting Christian Roland Wallace from Arizona. That's what you hope to you hope to replicate the Makai Blackman transfer with Christian Roland Wallace. He comes in from Arizona. He was listed as a DB going into camp. Now he's listed as a CB cornerback. Um, the Trojans last year listed everybody as DBs, so you couldn't tell who was going to play corner, who was going to play safety. Then this year it was it was CB, DB, and S. Now it's just CB and S. So we have no slide to talk about the Nickelbacks. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Um, I guess you, you sort of look at it as maybe this goes back to what SC did in 2016, where your whoever your nickel was depended on who you played. If you played a team that was, you know, really run focused, maybe you have three safeties so you can have some guy play up in the front and and sort of be that defensive safety uh, who can be up as a as an extra linebacker at times. If you need to play against somebody who's really going to air it out, you have three corners. I don't know. What, whatever you want to do. Uh, however you're going to pivot sort of the defense there. I don't know if that's going to be a thing for USC at all, but it's one way to read into how the roster's labeled. Yeah, I I tend to agree with, with the assessment that the nickel will just be will be either the safety or the corner depending on the the third safety or third corner depending on the on the situation. Yeah. The the talk about Christian Roland Wallace being tried out in those spots I'm choosing to read that as a really strong thing because my thinking is going in we saw Makai Blackman, we saw Christian Roland Wallace as a a hopefully like for like replacement for Makai Blackman. Yeah. And then it was going to be a dogfight between the Sierra Wrights and Jacoby Covingtons and Damani Jacksons of the world for that, for the second cornerback slot. The fact that they're looking at Christian Roland Wallace at nickel 
potentially, I think means that they feel really good about the three corners that are returning as potentially one and two or one A, one B and two. Uh, between Covington, Sierra Wright, and Devonnie Jackson, and and that's sort of the word that was coming out of camp is the you know Lincoln Riley was was saying that you can expect to see Sierra Wright, you can expect to see Jacoby Covington, and you can expect to see Devonnie Jackson play a lot. Um, and Jacoby Jackson, Jacoby Covington has gotten praised. Devonnie Jackson is getting talked about as like this is the year that he really comes forward and 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 locks down a starting role. Sierra yeah. Wright has been praised considerably as, as I would say, he's probably the number one of those three coming after coming back after last year where he was a surprise starter has really solidified himself as a, as a trusted figure in this offense. And that to me bodes very, very well to have those three guys so solid that they're looking at Christian Roland Wallace and saying, we can use you at nickel. Mm-hmm. Um, that probably, you know, is not great news for someone like Jalen Smith, who it feels like gets displaced if Christian Roland Wallace is now seen as a viable nickel, uh, nickel option. But when it comes to the defensive backs, I've always been of the opinion that t- figure out who your five best are and then put them on the field. Same with the offensive line, right? Yes. And find a way to get all of them on the field. And that, if if this is the way that you get the, you know, three of the four really trusted cornerbacks on the field at the same time, then by all means, so long as they've earned that, by yeah. all means, run with it. Yeah, and we know that C.R. Wright had a really good season last year. He just happened to also be on the field with Makai Blackman, who was really, yeah. really, really, really good. Uh, so he also needed needed to get a little less grabby, um, sure, and cut out the the penalties. But yeah, in general, I I, I did not think he was the problem necessarily with that offense. Yeah, with and, that defense. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought the corners played well last year, um, and if they continued to build on that, uh, Jacoby Covington, a couple of picks in the in the spring game, one of them may be controversial, but. Uh, two, <laughs> because two one of them did not happen. <laughs> it didn't, and then it did, and then it didn't, and yeah. then it did, yeah. Um, but anyways, either way, he at least had one in the, the spring game, uh, the Washington transfer. Uh, and I think that if he's someone who can, you know, really succeed uh, in year two at USC, I think that would be that would be good for the Trojans as well. And then Demonte Jackson, the five-star out of, out of modern day, is someone just like... Corey Foreman, you 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 hope that he just breaks through and ends up being that five star guy that that you expected all along. And um, I think the signs are there that Damani Jackson is probably f- way further along than than Corey Foreman is to to be in that that level. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing for the depth that SC has in the defensive backfield. And I think the cornerback position, even if there isn't a clear like this dude is the starter and this dude is starter and that's it. Because you've got so many dudes here, I think it's in a it's a, it's an even better problem to be at where you've got like four guys who could be the starters, right? Yeah, it's the same thing as on in the rush end. If you're not getting the job done, there yeah. is somebody to replace you. Yes, 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 yes. All right, let's let's move over to talking about safeties. Uh, the Trojans, of course, return Kalen Bullock. Uh, he is your All-American candidate on this defense. He was fantastic last year. 
um, built off of his great freshman campaign, had his big moments, had a pick six against against Rice that really spearheaded a, a big blowout win in week one. And he's someone that I think you, you expect to just continue to get better. But who starts alongside of him? Bryson Shaw started five games down the stretch. Uh, Max Williams started 13 games last year. Are those two guys going to be the starters again? Um, are they going to be the starters again with one of them at Nickelback? I don't know. What 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 is what is your read of the of the safeties right now? Um. Mm-hmm. Okay, my my read is that Kalen Bullock is obviously going to be out there, and then I the reason we put Shaw and Williams as projected starters is just because it's always safer to assume that the veteran guys will be the ones that get the nod, especially early in the season. Um, But the talk that's coming out on Zion Branch is extremely encouraging to the point where it sounds like a, what I was talking about earlier with the Tackett Curtis of it all, where if Zion Branch is getting playing time down the line, that to me will signal something very good about this defense because he's, he's just got more to his game than I think that Max Williams and Bryson Shaw are capable of physically sort of just in terms of, of talent level. So I really do want to see Zion branch break through here, but I'm going to assume that it's going to be a gentry or Lee kind of situation with Shaw or Williams Um, And I don't know how, I honestly do not know how that's going to shake out because we saw a lot of Bryson Shaw at the end of last year. Yeah. Max Williams in the past has... What was your your read of Shaw last year? He was better than Max Williams? I, yeah, I... He was, he was not as bad as what had been out there before, so I... I think Max Williams really struggled last year, especially towards the latter half of the season. I do not know what happened to Max Williams. I would have, I would actually be feeling more confident if at some point this offseason we'd heard something about, like, Max Williams is back at Nickelback, and he's just gonna be a Nickelback, and that's fine. Um, And I don't, I have certainly not seen that, so I... But Bryson Shaw was interesting because he had so many, like, he had a bunch of, like, high-end statistical games, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm pulling up his his sort of game chart right now. He had 11 tackles against Cal, um, 8 against UCLA. But the, the downside for those is that he had the safety needed to make 11 tackles against Cal mm-hmm. is a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, a big... He, a big missed tackle against Utah in the in the in the Pac-12 championship game, but I, it, he wasn't the only guy making mistakes. Everyone on the defense made mistakes, but he was someone who was constantly around the ball, and I think that is a big st- that's a that's half the battle right there is being around the ball. You've just got to completely take the next step to make the plays as well, and. Uh, he made his fair bit of those, but I think you want to see more from him. You want to see more from literally everybody on this defense. Yeah, and I think USC can get by with Bryson Shaw as a starting uh, starting safety. I'm just so much more excited about what Zion Branch can bring to the table. Yeah, um, Zion Branch is closer to Kalen Bullock in terms of of talent level potential than 
my view of Bryson Shaw is who I, it feels like Bryson Shaw could and Max Williams are both sort both in that window of like at best reliable partner to Kalen Bullock where I yeah. I in my wildest dreams I sort of can imagine Zion Branch becoming the duo with Kalen Bullock um probably not fair to say this year because Zion Branch still has not you know he redshirted last year he's he had an injury all that kind of stuff so he I don't want to put too much pressure on him but like that right. would be an incredible development for this for this season um, that I, I think is just much more exciting than than the other guys have to offer. Yeah, you ideally want a great defense to be loaded with two safeties, Ellison mm-hmm. and Mays, uh, uh, and all the guys back yeah. in SC's history is when we've had multiple safeties, and hopefully Bullock can find a guy who's you know on his level. Um, yeah. Who is the and, Ellison to to Bullock's Mays? Um, or is Bullock the the Ellison? No, <laughs> no, because Bullock's mix. getting put on preseason All American lists. Well, that's 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 <laughs> fair. Yeah, Kellen yeah. Bullock, uh, five picks last year, five pass breakups, forty eight tackles, and a touchdown. Uh, and uh, big shout out to Alex in the chat for Alex. a uh, for a super chat coming through. Cheers, Alex. Is the best Alex, Alex is is Hall of Fame level robot. Yes, uh, Alex says on USC Media Day, Kellen Bullock was wearing USC straw hat. Where can I get one? I've searched. Online high and low, and so far no luck. This is one of the things that is. I think the the, the dream job for everybody needs to be to work to uh, work for SC to find a way to get into the merch cabinet. Yeah, there's too much good stuff that is not a, available to the public. There's a there's so much merch that's it's not even merch because it's not being it's never for sale. It's it right. it exists for. Nike to produce like bespoke for the football players only. Yeah, and I don't know that it's a Nike straw hat, but like I'm, I, I mean, there's a bunch I don't of Nike know. stuff that yeah is strictly team issue stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean I'm currently scrolling through the USC shop and I'm seeing you know bucket hats and all sorts of things. No straw hat. So Alex, we will keep an eye out for you on that, but. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you need a need a a, a hookup in the USC equipment room. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. All right, that's let's let's talk about that's uh, that's going to wrap up our our preview of the defense. Talking about the safeties, and yeah, I want to know. We want to know your thoughts. We want to get into the mailbag here and open up that. So let's do that. You've got mail. All right. Uh, first question from Isaiah Taylor. If USC has the offense, we all believe them to be, and the defense plays like last year, will this be the most imbalanced team of all time in SC? I think there's a case to be made that last year was, right? I, I was going to say, the competition is last year. Uh, yes, yes, it would be. I, I just, I think the answer is yes, it would be. Um, yeah, that's I, not a fun prospect. I I can't imagine a more lopsided one unless you were literally number one and number one hundred and thirty something. Because the thing is, USC has had like disappointing offenses, but never completely inept relative to the defense. Right, good defense, and last year was certainly um, 
was certainly closer to uh, to that lopsided lopsided nature. Yeah, hundred percent. Big big shout out to Kenny in the chat who says uh, he's got a link to the, the uh, USC bookstore coming through the the lifeguard straw hat with with SC on it. Twenty six ninety five over at the the bookstore. It's not bad. I don't know if that's the exact hat that Alex is looking for, but it sounds right. It sounds about right. Um, let's get our next question from uh, West Texas Mike. What if Grinch is a really good coach, but he has no idea of how to get his point across to players? I'm hoping it's a better knowledge of the system that reinforce uh, that reinforcements have arrived. But does that explain the late, uh, the bad late season tackling? So here's the thing. If you can't explain what you need, mm-hmm. you cannot be a good coach. Like that's, I think that there are many, 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 many people out there who are conceptual geniuses who understand things um, and, and have that mind for football or for anything. But if you cannot teach it, a coach is just a teacher yeah. Um. If you can't get that across to the people that you're that you're trying to have execute your plan, then you are not a good coach. And I and this the is thing, why the great, thing is, great players often don't make. Yeah. Good this coaches, is why great players don't make good frustrated. coaches. Yes. Because yeah. because you know, Tom Brady can see the field the way Tom Brady does, but unless Tom Brady can explain the way that Tom Brady sees the field to somebody who can then take that on and 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 understand it, then it's kind of useless information. Right. Now. What I will say is that you can be a good coach for a specific makeup of team and not be a good coach for a different makeup of team. That's sort of why I brought up learning styles. My learning style would fit with a particular coach and not fit with a different coach. So that might explain why Alex Grinch has really good defenses at Washington State and at times at Oklahoma, but then bad ones at Oklahoma and and bad ones at USC. It could be just that the makeup of the roster doesn't hear what it is that he's saying. And it is Alex Grinch's job to get it across. But also, that's why, like, this year, he doesn't get away with saying, well, it, you know, it was the players or anything like that because, like, you have handpicked these players. You have brought them in. If you can't get it across to them, then you're not doing your job whether it was compiling the team that you're going to play that you're going to put put together or then imparting that upon them. So um that is that is one thing. As for the bad tackling last year, my read on the bad tackling was two things. Number 1, terrible angles because people were not in the right position to make a play, so they were they were approaching those tackles from the wrong place because they were in the wrong place. Number two, complete and utter lack of confidence because as a, at a certain point, every single one of those players look like they did not remember how to play football at all. Yeah. Yeah. It, you you, you got to be able to wrap up. And this is one of those things where I feel like every team is, we talk about bad tackling about every team that struggles. Yes. Um, we even talk about bad tackling about the teams that don't struggle. Everyone thinks their team sucks at tackling, by the way. Like, yes. Alabama fans will tell you that their defense sucks at tackling. Like, yeah. You know. But when it's bared out by, you know, bad numbers, it yeah. really puts a emphasis on, on you know, the bad tackling and, and makes it even that much more of a detriment to a defense. Uh, Tim in L.A. says, is Grinch officially on the hot seat? And if yes, 
what is the difference between firing and retaining him? I think that's a great question. Well, yes, he's absolutely on the hot seat, but what is the delineation between keeping him and retaining him? And as a caveat to this, how much of this has anything to do with the defense? Because let's say hypothetically, hypothetical world, let's say SC does make the playoff and SC does get to a national championship game and they have the 65th best defense in the country. If you lose that national championship game while giving up 60 points, then... Yeah, I mean, then, I guess I guess that would help conversa- along, right? Conversations still need to be had. Yeah, no, no, I get it. I, I'm just saying, like, I think there is a world in which the offense can su- succeed so much that you convince yourself that the season was so successful that you shouldn't make any changes, including on defense. Yes. I, I think that you can make the argument that that's what happened last year. And mind you, I was okay with, with Grinch either being retained last year or getting fired last year, because I think what happened in the last part of the season, especially what happened against Tulane was a fireable offense even though my gut is always to not fire people after year one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I, I got why it didn't happen. Um, I, like you, would have been perfectly fine if it had because it was a carryover defensive defensive coordinator. Right. Um, I, I just, if you are Lincoln Riley and your aspiration is to win national titles... At a certain point, you have to be honest with yourself about what has held you back from winning a national title. Mm-hmm. And it is certainly not the offense that Lincoln Riley has put on the field. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, you talk about ruthless, right? We talked about this before where, yes, you can you can say that Grinch should, could have come back because it was year one and... You give everyone some benefit of the doubt for year one. But if you're ruthless like Nick Saban, you can win a national title or go to the playoff and still make that change because you're ruthless like Nick Saban. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the end goal is national title and you have to understand what that means. So so what's the criteria? What, what, What gets him, what for you keeps his job? Uh, I think that if USC has considerable considerable improvement in statistical categories, and what I will say of that is like, uh, I'll say if if we say USC was the seventy fifth, just blanketing the seventy fifth best defense in the country last year, that's not considerable. They need to be inside the top 50 at at least i think inside the top 50 at least but also individual performances need to be within reason i think that's the key if you give up 40 points in one game that uh, it's fine it happens even to nick saban it happens even to even to kirby smart you have one game but if your offense is having to win multiple games 55 to 54 or something like that. 
Right. Your defense isn't isn't doing enough. It 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 has to be the combination of the season wide performance and in individual games was your defense consistently the thing that was holding you back from either winning those games or making it significantly more difficult for you to win those games. Right. It's a it's sort of a, a game by game um, assessment that that yeah. is hard to say for right now. I. But no, I, I'm with you. You get what I'm saying. No, yeah. 100%. I, 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 yes. And I, if you fail to win the Pac-12, Grinch has to be gone. That, that I, I would say if I have to put a hard line on anything, if USC fails to win the Pac-12, I'm going to blame the defense for that. I am not going to say that. This Pac-12 is so loaded. SC could go 11-1 and one and not win the Pac-12. They but, should go eleven and one and win the Pac twelve. But I'm saying they could go eleven and one and not win it. Like the, we we've seen enough weird things where what happens in the SEC. So a lot of times the team that doesn't win the conference is the one that's best set up for okay, the playoff. Fine. Okay, fine. You need to right? win. Like, you need to win the Pac twelve. And, I, I and see not what you're saying, but I'm just saying that that doesn't always yeah. completely pan out. If you go eleven and one and make the playoff, whatever happens in the Pac-12 is sort of Who irrelevant. Cares? Who cares? But if you yeah. if you don't if you don't win the Pac-12, like that's a that's, that's yeah. A I, I think I think for me, you have to. It it's completely goes down the eye test. I'm not going to say the numbers don't matter because the numbers absolutely do matter, and I think that if you make big strides in strides in the eye test the numbers will bear themselves out. And the reason I say that I'm focused on the eye test rather than than the the stats, I think there's a world in which SC could give up where, where the, the points per game doesn't change. And SC still gives up 27 points per game. Part of that is because if the offense scores another touchdown per game, it's another drive. The defense is going to be out there they could end up giving up more yards and more things than they normally would just because of that. Like there's, there's all these other factors, when it which is why it comes down to, like you said, does the defense let them down in the key moments Are the two losses that SD ends up having at the end of the season. If they have two losses, the ones where the defense gave up 60 points and completely folded if that's the case, then the defense is the limiting factor of where why you can't reach the ceiling, right? Yes. If if it's not the case, if you go nine and four, but yet the it's Caleb Williams interceptions the the reason that you can go nine and four, then then you can keep him. Like it depends on all of this depends on the circumstances of exactly how the season bears out. So um yeah, you want to get better statistically. You want to be better in the eye test. You want to be better in the key moments, but also consistently overall. You don't want to have a bunch of 40-point games. One 40-point game, two 40-point games might be fine just because that's this is what college football is now. But also you don't want that on a weekly basis, especially when you have the first six games that are not exactly difficult. It's also how those 40-point, not, not to drag this on, but like, it's also how those 40-point games happen. Part of the issue last year it wasn't just giving up the points. It was yeah. it was it was the repetitive nature of the way that they were giving up the points. It was the right. tight end killing you over and over and over and over no, again. No adjustments to to take him away. Yeah. 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 A- absolutely. Uh Ramirez says given all the 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 new talent will Grinch rotate players to build depth and experience. I think so. I think that I think that would be the hope, right? 
Um, yeah, it, it, at least it sounds at this point that there will be a greater level of rotation just because there are more guys available that hopefully will have earned places in, in that rotation. Yeah, Bill says, what game will provide a fair appraisal of how good or bad USC de- USC's defense is? Is it Notre Dame? Well, we've talked about the first six games, right? The first six games are not overly difficult for SC. We've It's going to be horrible when we talk about this for the last we've talked about this for the longest time then SE ends up going three and three somehow <laughs> don't, uh, really don't gonna put e- that evil on me e- eat our words there um no but I I think the no- what will be a fair appraisal theoretically it's Notre Dame on the road theoretically it's Utah the week after that but realistically it could happen before if for the bad right like mm-hmm. If SC gives up 45 points to Colorado, then there you go. There's the appraisal. Like, you you got it, and it's bad. Yeah. Um, I I think it. you have to circle Notre Dame because they have a legitimate quarterback in, in Sam Hartman. Um, but at the same time, we don't know what Notre Dame's going to be. Like, uh, we could get to that game with Notre Dame, and, and they're either really, really good or really, like, really bad. Like, they repeat what what they were last year. So it's a little bit harder to say, but I'm just going to go with the, the Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman of it all and say that if, if, if you take care of business against Notre Dame, you're feeling pretty good going into that final stretch of the season. But realistically, um, it's all of the above in, in like every single one of those games in the back half of that schedule. Do Do you wish that there was randomly like, do you wish the Washington or Oregon game was the last week of September so you can we can say it's that game? Yes. Yeah. You Utah, Washington or Oregon move one of those into the front half of the schedule and I think you're it just it doesn't feel so much as so much like well, we're not going to learn anything in the first 6 weeks unless it's bad. Right. And I yeah. don't I don't care for that. Uh, last question. Ron Burgundy 209 says, just got on, so you might have covered this already, but do you think Tackett Curtis is starting by season's end? Uh, to summarize what we talked about earlier, I, I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, Alicia, I think your point was if he's starting by season's end, that more than likely is a good thing. Right? Yes. I'm going to go with, um, just to answer the question in the in the binary, I'm going to go with Yes. Um, that's in part hedging my bets because I always plan for linebacker injuries just sure. as a just standard practice. Um, but also I, I just think that the way that he's getting talked about uh, is the way that freshmen who end up starting in their freshman season get talked about um, going into the season. So yeah, I'd, I'd feel comfortable saying that I think that would be a, pr- a prediction that, that we could make. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of injuries, ju- just just to I, I've been sitting here sort of refreshing Twitter to hope that there was maybe an update update after practice today, and, and I don't think we're going to get it. Um, we're just we don't have any information on any uh, injuries that may or may not have happened this week. So, um, they yeah. they they keep injuries close to the chest. If Lincoln Riley is going to discuss an injury, he's going to discuss it, and we'll hear it from his mouth. That's my. Take on that yeah we're, we're not going to speculate about anything that is 
uh, possibly an injury or, or, or not until it's officially mentioned. So, all right. Um, that's going to wrap up the defensive preview, offensive and defensive previews in the bag. Um, look at us, uh, the season thoroughly underway for the podcast, uh, with, uh, our first two a week. Um, next week we go to three a week, even though really this week is a three a week because tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night, on uh, Thursday night, um, if you listen to it on Apple podcast, that's tonight, uh, tonight, 9 PM, uh, on YouTube will be right after dark. The first members only right after dark episode. You can become a member here on YouTube for 499 a month. You get all of our bonus content, our bonus videos, our bonus live streams. You get to join our discord, um, in the discord, you can get access to be a caller, to be a caller inner during those live shows uh, that are members only, which are always fun. Uh, if things go well and we're, we're thinking that it's going to, uh, we're going to end up doing a call-in show after a few games this year where we'll do the car cast and then we'll go on a members only show and do a call-in show, which will be fun. Uh, it'd be like the rant line, but live. Hey, that'll be fun. Um, so we're looking forward to that. And then of course, next Friday, uh, August 25th is the, uh, first rot, robot meetup in a long time, uh, 6 PM at Shakey's pizza in Valley village on Laurel Canyon. Uh, I hope you can join us. Uh, it'll be a fun time. Uh, if not, then we'll see you back here Monday for, uh, episode 497. talking about the season predictions going through the record telling telling you what we think USC's record will be so until then we'll see you see ya see ya save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for three forty nine dollars a pound with a digital coupon then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade Body Armor Super Drink or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each all with your card Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.